Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from King of Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. So this morning we're not going to do anything extravagantly new, but to remind ourselves of what Jesus has taught us about prayer so that we really are praying in the name of Jesus. If we're praying in the name of Jesus, we're not just using his name, but we're praying as Jesus would pray, and we're believing as Jesus would believe, and if that's the case, then we're going to see the same kind of results as Jesus saw. Hello? So, uh, I explained to students yesterday morning something I'm just going to review, and then we're going to look at what we can learn from Jesus. And just, I just want you to, this morning, uh, compare, if you like, put alongside what Jesus is saying with what you're doing uh, when you pray and make sure that you can tick all the boxes from, from what uh, Jesus is saying. And if you can't tick all the boxes, then just make the adjustments that are necessary because then your prayer is going to be that much more effective. And this is a day when we need to pray for our nation as well as for all that God is wanting to do amongst us. So Jesus, as I was explaining yesterday, when Jesus came, we, we saw right at the beginning of term, he made himself nothing. So if I'm Jesus for a moment in my humanity, and this chair represents the throne of God in heaven, what we know is that Jesus was a man of prayer, that he knew he could do nothing of himself, so he was completely dependent upon his Father. Although he was the Son of God, he could not do anything independently of the Father. So here is his Father reigning in the glory of heaven, and Jesus having to remain in constant fellowship with the Father. Constant love for the Father, which was expressed in his obedience to the will of the Father. And so Jesus obeyed his own teaching, as you can imagine that he would. He went off to lonely places to pray by himself so that he would have fellowship with the Father. He would hear from the Father what he was to do next. It, it, Jesus was not running with his own agenda. He was going with the Father's agenda. He lived in that complete dependence upon the Father so that he knew not only what the Father wanted him to do, but he could see what the Father was going to do through him. He had that vision. He only did what he saw the Father doing. Okay, now... He was teaching the disciples that they were going to pray in the same way. Not, not just when he was on earth, but when he returned to heaven, he would be reigning with the Father in glory, but they would have to remain in fellowship with him, in dependence on him, abiding in him. Just as Jesus was abiding, living in, continuing to live in the Father, 
so that he could say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Do you not believe that the Father is in me and I am in the Father? And of course, when he was saying that, the Father was in heaven, and yet the Father was being revealed through the Son. So when Jesus says to the disciples, abide in me, continue to live in me, he means continue to live in me in the glory where I am, and I will continue to live in you on the earth where you are. So we need to have that same kind of heavenly perspective that Jesus had uh, about the whole of our prayer life as he did about his prayer life. And of course, we know from the scripture that everything we need is in Christ, here, reigning in glory. In Christ, we have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, but all those blessings are in heavenly places. So we draw near to the throne of God, to the throne of grace, so that we can lay hold of all those riches that God has made available to us in Christ Jesus. It's not a question of us saying, Lord, come to me and bless me and do this in me and do that in me. We are to draw near to him. Uh, Here is our holiness. Here is our salvation. Here is our righteousness. Here is our provision. Here is our healing. Here is the fullness of life. Here is our authority. Here is our power. Here is everything we need in Christ. And so as we draw near to him, as we, as we abide in him, as we rest in him, as we lay hold of that inheritance, so then that which is, are the riches of Christ get reflected in our lives. It's important for us to understand, you see, that all the power is in Christ. When Jesus says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he doesn't mean that you have within you a deposit of power by which you would then live because you can't contain within you the power of God, the fullness of the power of God. What he he is saying is the Holy Spirit will make real in you the fullness of God's power as you lay hold of that power in prayer, through, through faith. God will constantly be pouring that power. Whatever, whatever is his life here in Christ will be imparted to you by the Holy Spirit. And then you will see the evidence of the outworking of that. So it's as if we need to be in the place of faith where God is constantly pouring his life into us, through us, and out of us. The love pours into us, through us, out of us. The power pours into us, through us, and out of us, and so on. Everything is in Christ, and we, of course, have been given through his blood access right into that heavenly place, right into the heavenly holy of holies. Now, all that we know, that is the substance of our faith. Now, let's go through some scriptures and see how Jesus is helping us to understand how to lay hold of all of that inheritance. So we're not just making a lot of noise in prayer, but things are actually happening in us and through us in the lives of other people. So we start in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. These are things you know, but I want, I want, what I want you to do is to put together this morning the different things Jesus says about prayer to see how it all fits into a whole, into a wholeness, uh, a completeness. Because, you know, you can look at one thing that Jesus says about prayer and, 
to the exclusion of other things, and you've only got part of the picture. It's a bit like, um, you know, the revelation of truth in the scripture is really a bit like a jigsaw puzzle. You can, you can get a piece here and a piece there and a piece somewhere else in scripture, put it all together, and you've got the whole picture. And that's what I want us to do this morning, just to get a whole picture of what Jesus is saying about prayer. So, first of all, he talks about personal prayer. And we need to understand uh, how important it is for us to fulfill what Jesus is saying about personal prayer, but also about corporate prayer. And we need to understand also the relationship between the two. So, here he's talking about personal prayer. When you go into your room, this is verse 6 of chapter 6, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. So if we're, we're, this is the equivalent to what Jesus was doing. I'm sure he did go into his room sometimes and shut the door if he had a room of his own to go into. But often he just went off to a lonely place, didn't he, by himself, the secret place. So go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So this is your secret place, your secret space. And it's always good to have a regular place and a regular time um, to pray so that you have your daily appointment with the Lord. This is, this is very, very important. If you're going to build fellowship with God. Uh, my wife and I have been married over 50 years, and we get on pretty well together. Uh, there is unity between us. Hallelujah. And that is because right at the, uh, at the beginning of our marriage, we came to an agreement that if ever there was any disagreement between us, I was always right. And it's been... <laughs> It's been the secret to a very successful marriage. (laughs) But out of out of my out of my love for my wife, supposing I say, uh, "Darling, I'll meet you at eleven o'clock in Swan Walk," because we're going to do some shopping together, and I don't turn up. I just don't turn up. That is not going to help the unity in our marriage. Uh, If I don't even bother to tell her I'm not turning up, or even if I keep her hanging around for a time, which has happened once or twice, uh, I will have to apologize for keeping her waiting. But you see, we're like that sometimes in prayer. Jesus is always waiting for us at the appointed time. See, in his love. And if you don't turn up, he misses you. He says, wait a minute, we have this time together. Where are you? What's happened? And you can't very well say, well, I had more important things to do than to come and spend time with you, Lord. I was too busy. I had this, that, and the other. It doesn't really compute, does it? That doesn't work. Somehow that's not right. So all the time, our daily appointment with Jesus is first and foremost in our prayer time. 
what we do in that, I'm not going to, to go into too much detail now. That's, there's not time for that. But we have, we have this, this is what is going to build relationship. You see, the only way you can build relationship with God is in prayer. That's why you build your relationship. You then live in that relationship, but the relationship is built in prayer. Because, you see, how do you build a relationship with anyone? By communication. You speak, you listen. You listen, you speak. That's how you build relationship. So that's the only way we can really build relationship with Jesus. And, of course, the quality of our relationship is going to depend, therefore, upon the quality of our prayer. Our fellowship is affected by our faithfulness, really, in prayer to him. So Jesus says, this starts, the substance of this fellowship, of this relationship with God in prayer, begins in the secret place. When there's nobody else, there's just you and the Lord. And that is the time you need every day. Yeah, we can have corporate prayer here, you can have corporate prayer at lunchtime, you can have encounter meetings in the evening, but none of that replaces your own private time with Jesus and with the Father. That is where you build a relationship. You can have encounter which is going to affect your relationship, but actually the substance of your relationship is in that secret place. That's why you need to listen to the Lord. That's why you need to, your prayer diary so that you're writing down what you hear from the Lord because you're not so clever that you can remember everything that God ever says to you. Uh, and that's why you need to go back and review what he said to you to make sure you're acting upon it and it's actually finding substance in your life. Amen? But anyway, this is not about how to have a quiet time. So... Uh, and it is good to have a quiet time. You need noisy times with the Lord, but you also need quiet times when you shut up and he speaks. Amen? Okay, so in that secret place, God is going to speak to you. That You're going to hear his voice, you're going to learn to hear his voice through his word, by his spirit, and so on. So Jesus had his time in the secret place with the Father, because that's the only way he could live in dependence upon the Father. And what Jesus promises, because with all the commands that go to the promises, you spend that time in the secret place and God will openly reward you. You will see the positive evidence of what God does in your heart and in your life in the secret place. In other words, in the rest of your life, if, if you like, in the public arena, God will be at work in you and through you because of the work done in the secret place. So when we have a time of prayer and fasting like this, it's not just a question of, of um, fulfilling our part in the program of prayer meetings, but of understanding this is an opportunity to spend more time with the Lord in the secret place and to really come through to a new place with him. And there's going to be open reward for that. We will benefit greatly, but not only will we benefit, but others will benefit through us. Somebody thought hallelujah, but forgot to say it. Okay. Now, so Jesus says this, 
then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He then goes on to say, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they keep, for, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, of course, what Jesus is going to go on to reveal is that we then pray in faith, uh, not just praying words for the sake of it. He then says in verse 9, this is then how you should pray. Our Father. Luke's version just says, when you pray, say, Father. Here in Matthew, when you pray, say, Our Father. So this Father that you've been praying to in secret is also the father of all your fellow brothers and sisters who have been praying in secret. When you come together, you pray to our father. And it's important, you see, because Jesus himself related to the father during the days of his humanity. If we're going to pray in the name of Jesus, act in the name of Jesus, speak in the name of Jesus, then we're building relationship with the father just like Jesus did. So you pray to your Father in secret. You, then when we come together, we pray to our Father. And we know well the Lord's Prayer. I'm not going to, uh, to go through that in detail this morning. Jesus doesn't mean, of course, that we pray this prayer like a parrot, but this is the substance of our prayer. It begins with God, our Father in heaven, Why? Because in the secret place we're communicating with the Lord in heaven. Praise be your name, hallowed, holy is your name. Then what is the substance of God's purpose in our lives? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, prayer does not begin with you and with what you need and with what you want and and, uh, what you want God to bless or to heal or to do with. Your prayer begins with the Father. Your prayer begins with praising him and worshipping him. Your prayer begins with his kingdom purposes. Your prayer begins with his will. Amen? Then you come to your need in order that you will be equipped by God to fulfill your part in his will. Give us today our daily bread is not just give us a hovis, but give us everything we need, Lord, in order to be able to fulfill your purpose in our lives. Forgive us our debts, our trespasses, our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. How important it is if we're going to fulfill the kingdom purposes of God to be in right relationship with him, with the Lord as our Father, but also with one another. Um, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So the whole substance of the prayer begins with God, begins with the purpose of God before ever we get to our own needs. But then Jesus does what he often does when he's talking about prayer. He reinforces in particular the need to forgive others. So in verse 14 he says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins your Father will not forgive your sins. In other words, what Jesus is teaching us is something that many Christians do not really appreciate, that prayer is only effective 
when you are in right relationship with God and in right relationship with others. If you're not in right relationship with others, forget about praying until you've got into right relationship with others. So if you need to, feed, if you need to forgive someone, forgive them. You remember Jesus says, before you offer your gift, go and put something right with someone else if that's necessary. Then come and offer your gift. Why? Because to offer your gift when you're in wrong relationship with, with someone else is not a gift that's acceptable to God. Hello? Can you see that prayer is all about relationship? It's about relationship with the Father through Jesus but it's also affected by our relationship with other people. If relationships are not right, you will not have the effective answers to prayer that you want. And sometimes, you know, people pray and pray and pray and think they're really in faith about a situation, can't understand why they don't see God moving and, and providing or healing or whatever it is, and all the time, the problem is there's a wrong relationship or there's a wrong attitude. There's something that needs to be put right with someone else. So to God, that is exceedingly important. Now, if you go on then to Matthew uh, chapter 18... Jesus reinforces the importance of relationship with others in prayer. This is easy to remember because it's uh, 1818 talks about prayer. I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. But the next verse is what we're going to concentrate on now. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you. Now, this is agreement in relationship. The Greek word there is the Greek word from which we get the word symphony. A symphony is, uh, you know, when people are in symphony, if when they're flowing together in harmony and in unity. So Jesus is not talking about two people simply agreeing what they're going to pray about. Somebody prays something and somebody else says amen. He's not talking about that. He's saying, if two of you are one, you know, the, the effectiveness of, of prayer in Jesus' life is the Father and He are one. Okay, so we need to be in that unity, that relationship of unity with the Father. But He's saying that it's also so powerful to be in that same relationship of unity with one or two others. In fact, just with one. If two of you are in harmony. Now, if it's not just being in harmony with one another, but in harmony with one another in the will of God. So if two of you are, are agreeing in faith, yes, but you're agreeing in love, you're agreeing together, there's that harmony in your, li the, your lives. There's that unity in your lives. You, um, 
If two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. So here, here, here's the Father in heaven. He's looking upon all these people that are praying. He sees where there is that harmony. He sees where there is that unity. And the word of Jesus says where he sees that, there will be the answer to prayer. So again, we see how important relationship is in prayer. But even more so, what Jesus says next. For, because this relates, therefore, to what has been said beforehand. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Now, that's not, you know, you, you, you sometimes hear people say that if... Uh, you know, there's a meeting or a service and very few people turn up. And, you know, the pastor or the leader says, well, where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is with us. That's not what Jesus is talking about. What he is saying is, if there are two or three of you in that harmony, in that agreement of love and faith, I'm there with you also. And what he means by that is I will be praying along with you. I will be interceding with you. It's not just you. Because of your unity with me and your unity with one another in those two or three, together we will be praying to the Father and you can guarantee that the Father will answer. Why? Because Jesus is praying along with you. Are there any believers here this morning? You see, it's so much more powerful than just looking at this superficially and thinking, oh, well, there's just a few of us here, but that's all right, Jesus is around. No, 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 he's not talking about that. He's always around. Whether there's two or three of us, a hundred, a thousand, he's always present. So what does he mean? He means he's talking here about being present in a particular way. He's present because of that unity. He's present because of that love. He's a present because of that agreement of faith. And actually, you see, we know he is present. Why? Because you can only have that unity and you can only have that faith and you can only have that love if he's there. Because he creates it. It's the work of his spirit. Amen? So it's like Jesus is saying, I'm there with you creating that unity, but I'm praying along with you. We're, we're in this together. Well, please yourself, but I believe it and, and I've seen it work so many times. So praise God. Isn't this wonderful? I think this is wonderful. Where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. You can't come together in the name of Jesus in disunity. You see, you can't come in the name of Jesus together and there's disharmony. No, there's going to be harmony, there's going to be unity. Praise the Lord. So now let's turn to Mark chapter 11, where we, we uh, know the, that Jesus taught the disciples the prayer of faith, as it's called. Beginning at verse 22. Have faith in God. 
Now, that always seems a, a bit of a, an extraordinary thing for Jesus to say because it, it's like stating the obvious. Or perhaps there's more to that statement than we realize. Perhaps Jesus is not just stating the obvious, but he's stating an essential principle of prayer. You see, if I have faith in God, I have faith in all that is mine in God. Hello? What we saw right at the beginning, everything is in him. My holiness, my righteousness, my salvation, my acceptance, my healing, my provision. My faith is in the one who, who, in whom there is the fullness of life. The fullness of my life. The fullness that God wants to see in my life. So my faith is not in myself. Listen to me. My faith is not in my prayer. My faith is in God. You know, some people, they sort of analyze their prayer. Am I praying the right words? Is, this, is that right? Is this right? Bum, 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 bum. They think that if they get the right words, they get the right answer. Some of the most powerful prayers uh, are those that sound, you know, really rough and ready because what God listens to is the prayer of the heart. Not eloquent prayers. He's not interested in how eloquent a person sounds, but whether there is that heart, faith, and dependence upon him. Are we all still at the same meeting here? Oh, okay. So have faith in God is, is, is much more than just say, well, get your focus on the Lord. No, understand that your answer, whatever it is you're praying, your answer is in God. So if your faith is in God, your faith is in where the answer is. So your answer isn't in the circumstances, the answer isn't in the way you pray, the answer isn't in the way you feel, your answer isn't in what others will do, your, your answer is in God. So have faith in God. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, now, this is where we've seen that to Jesus, the essence of prayer is relationship. Okay, now, how do you use that relationship? What do you do in that relationship? Well, you do what Jesus did. See, Jesus went into that secret place, had that relationship with the Father, so that when he was out in the world fulfilling his ministry, what you see him doing again and again is not praying prayers to the Father, but speaking to mountains. So you see a blind man or lame man comes up to him wanting to be healed. He doesn't say, well, hang on a minute. I must just have a prayer meeting with the Father. And I'll let you know what the Father is saying. He, he's already prayed up. He's already had his time in the secret place with the Father. So what does he do? He speaks to the mountain. Now, he doesn't say, mountain, in the name of God the Father, leave. You know, it's not a formula. But he has, he has the conviction that if he speaks into the situation, 
the situation will change. A woman came up to me the other day at the place where I was preaching on Sunday. Uh, no, no, actually, she wasn't. She wasn't in the meeting. She was uh, one of the waitresses in the hotel where we were having lunch afterwards, and um, uh, we just got talking. Uh, those of us that were there with her, and it transpired that she she was uh, a believer, but she had been trying to get pregnant for years and um, was not able to. And and various Christians had prayed for her, and um, the pastor who, who of, the, of the church where I was speaking said to her, "Well." This is Pastor Colin, bum, 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 bum. I've been healed through his ministry. Uh, he can pray for you. So she looked at me, and I just looked at her and said, you will have a baby. Just like that, you will have a baby. Because, you see, I was speaking to the mountain. I wasn't going to pray prayers over her in the middle of the restaurant. I didn't need to pray prayers over her. See, the point is that we can speak into being the will of God. And this is all Jesus did, and this is what he meant. When you speak to the mountain, you're speaking the will of God into, into, uh, into practice. So you speak to this mountain, you command it to be moved. But you see, Jesus didn't say to the blind man, blindness, I command you to move. He just spoke. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace, do this, that, and the other, you know. Go and wash in the pool of Siloam to, to that blind man. because He would blind us in different ways at different times. So uh, we need to have that confidence that if the relationship is right with the Lord, then he can speak through us. I believe that woman will have a baby. She, she then said to me, I will have a baby within a year. That's what she, that, was her that was her response. I will have a baby within a year. So, you see, I think God was operating faith in her because I was operating in faith. Can you understand? She didn't, she didn't say, oh, is that all? Aren't you going to pray? Or, you know, when people have prayed for me before, they've done a bit more than that. But, you see, faith was operating. You speak faith, and, and faith can therefore uh, operate in, in the person. So, I don't know if I shall ever meet the dear lady again, but... She will have a baby. I'm confident of that. It has to happen. So uh, anyone who says to his mountain, go throw yourself into the sea. Now you see, this is the point. And does not doubt in his heart. You, you speak out of the place of faith. You speak out of a place of dependence upon the Lord. You speak out of that relationship of unity with him. You are, you are speaking literally in his name. See, to speak in his name is not just to use his name. I mean, it's a powerful thing to use his name. But I didn't say to that lady, in the name of Jesus, you will have a, you will have a baby. I just said, well, you're going to have a baby. I was speaking in the name of Jesus. Can you, can you understand what I'm saying here? Uh, so, yes, by all means, you can say in many situations, in the name of Jesus this and in the name of Jesus that. But... It's not simply using the name of Jesus like a formula. It's what you believe in your heart. It's what you speak into being. You see, get up and walk. That's what Jesus said. And the crippled man was healed. 
be open. Blind eyes were open. Deaf ears were open. Dumb mouths were open. He didn't say, in the name of my father. He just said, be open, because he believed it. So Jesus is, is saying, that is prayer. So prayer is not just what you say and hear from the Father in relationship. Prayer is also using that relationship to put into effect the will of God as you understand it from that relationship, from the word of God and, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Any believers here? Okay. Uh, so, but believes what he says will happen it will be done for him. It will be. Not it might be, it could be, possibly it might happen. It will be. That is very emphatic. And that's how Jesus constantly gave prayer promises. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it. Now you see, I believed when I said that to the woman. I wouldn't have said that you know, just willy-nilly. But I, I believe that's what the Lord was telling me to say to her. But you see, then she believed it had happened. Many people have prayed for her before, she said. But now she said, I will have a baby within a year. She believed it had happened. Faith is contagious. See? Faith is contagious. A lot of other things are contagious, but there are some good things that are contagious, and faith, faith is the best of them. <laughs> Love can be contagious, but so is faith. Faith begets faith. Um, you know, leaders are to give the example of faith according to Hebrews chapter 13. They're, they give the example of faith so that others see how faith is to operate. So therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now you see, this is not trying to do mental gymnastics when you pray. Again, it's not... You, just using a formula, where you ask for something, Lord, I believe I've received it. No, if you believe you've received it, you do believe you've received it, and therefore you're thanking God. You're thanking God for the outcome. Well, thank you, Jesus. It's a done deal. It is a done deal. And from that moment... You might need to persist in prayer because some answers come immediately, some over a period of time, but your persistence in prayer will always be persistence in thanksgiving. I'll come back to that uh, uh, in, in a minute. So, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. There he is again. There Jesus is emphasizing again. If you're in a position of unforgiveness towards anybody, that will cancel out the effectiveness of your prayer. So it is absolutely essential that you are merciful as God is merciful to you. See, the point is that everything that God does in our lives, everything that he imparts to us, he imparts through grace, but it's a work of his mercy. Mercy means we deserve nothing, but by his grace he gives us everything. Right? And what does Jesus say? Be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. And he preaches the, he gives us the parable of the unmerciful servant. That, you know, it doesn't matter how much God forgives you. If you don't forgive your brother, then that will cancel out all the forgiveness that God has given to you. 
That's what Jesus says in that parable. You read it. Mm-hmm. So um, we have to take on board what Jesus is saying. We make sure that, yeah, the relationship is right with God. We're, we're sort of humbly submissive to him, seeking to love him and to obey his commands. Uh, but at the same time, we're living in harmony, in unity with others. And if there's anything that arises to cut across that, then we have a heart of forgiveness towards them. One of the things you, you, you need to understand about this is there's a scripture that says, seek to live at peace with everyone as far as you are able. In other words, God knows that sometimes there can be a relationship where you, you have a right heart attitude of forgiveness, but that's not reciprocated. So the relationship cannot really be healed, but you are doing whatever you can for your part. Well, God understands that. He doesn't mean that if the other person is, is sinful in their judging you and condemning you, that that's going to affect your prayer. No, 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 no. It's so long as you have the right heart, merciful attitude, and you are in that place of forgiveness, then God will have the right heart attitude of mercy and forgiveness towards you. Amen? Are we breathing? Okay. So now let's go on to John's Gospel. We're having to whip over these things fairly smartly. Chapter 14. Verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Right, now, we've been talking about this faith in God. It's a faith relationship. We realize that all the answers, all our life, everything, our provision, our healing, everything is in God, is in Christ, is in him. We, by faith, can lay hold of that inheritance as co-heirs with Christ, and we can therefore see that life, that power, that authority, that love, whatever, healing, flowing through our lives and into the lives of others. So Jesus is saying... If you're in right relationship with God and in right relationship with others, that relationship of faith, then you will do the same things as I've been doing. You will actually be able to do even greater things because the power of the Holy Spirit has been poured out. And remember, that hadn't happened during the ministry of Jesus. So the greater things still, as you've heard me tell you before, began on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 came to the Lord that day. Nothing like that ever happened in the ministry of Jesus. Because now the Spirit of God was poured out. Okay, so I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me would do what I have been doing. He would do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So your faith is that you would do greater things than Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit will enable you to pray for someone to be filled with the Spirit, which Jesus couldn't do because the Spirit was not yet given because he was not yet glorified. And there's no greater miracle than the Spirit of God to come and live in someone. Now, verse 13 begins with the word and. So that means that what follows, the promise that what follows is related to what has gone before. Okay, so you believe, because you're a believer, you are able to do the same things as Jesus. You can speak to the mountains and they will be moved. 
That's all part of your prayer. Comes out of the relationship that you have with the Father and the Son in the power of the Spirit. So, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. So, how, how are we going to do the same things as Jesus and greater things still? Well, because we are actually proceeding, acting in his name. We are doing what he would do. We're doing it on his behalf. In other words, if Jesus was in that situation, this is what Jesus would do. Hello? Now, the point is Jesus is in this situation because you are. And Christ is in you, the hope of glory. So when we act by faith, we're allowing the Christ in us to actually minister into that situation, minister to the person, serve the person, uh, help, heal, whatever it is that, that uh, is, is going to be done. Are you, are you there? And I would do whatever you ask in my name. See, if you're in that right relationship, you're never going to pray for something that is not the will of God. Hello? You're not going to pray just for fleshly indulgence. You know, oh Lord, please give me a million pounds. Because I think God says, shan't. No, I shall not. Why should I give you a million pounds? I mean... Uh-huh. You need a million pounds for the Lord's work, another matter altogether. Because that's not for you. It's not selfish ambition. It's not greed. Mm-hmm. Okay, I will do whatever you ask in my name. Why? So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Now listen, everything that Jesus did, I'm Jesus again in his humanity, there's the Father on the throne. Everything he did was for the glory of the Father. Right, so now here's you. He's saying, right, now whatever you do in my name, it's for the same reason, for the glory of the Father. So one of the ways in which we test whether we're praying aright, we're praying in the way that that is going to be effective because it's the way that God wants, is are we praying that God will be glorified in the situation? Hello? Hello? If we're not praying that God would be glorified, then we're not praying aright. We're not praying in the right way. We're not praying for the right thing. Are we there? So, you see, God can be glorified in a sick person. Right? Just because somebody is sick doesn't mean God can't be glorified in them. But he's not glorified in the sickness. He can be glorified in the person, but the sickness doesn't glorify him. Because the sickness is something that is intrinsically alien to the best purposes of God. So he can be glorified in the healing, but often God is glorified in a sick person before he's glorified in the healing. I mean, there are people in the church here that have had uh, infirmities for for many years. They're They're chronic sort of conditions. Some of you may know them, but you see them uh, every, every Sunday or most Sundays. And, and God is glorified in them. I mean, people of faith, people who really love the Lord. He's not glorified in their condition, but he's glorified in them. Why? Because their condition is not their identity. 
You see, if you have a deformity or if you have some kind of, of, of um, chronic disability, that is not your identity. Your identity is in Christ. See? So God can be glorified in the person uh, and, of course, God can be glorified in the healing. Amen? But, I, you know, I, I remember um, at a meeting once, a blind man came up to me and he says, please will you pray for me, but please do not pray for my blindness to be healed. I knew exactly what he meant. And uh, when we had a conversation later, he said to me, Every time, you know, every time I come to a meeting, Christians, I know they mean well, but all the time they just want to pray for my blindness. You see, what, what he was saying is everybody else sees my blindness as my identity, and it isn't. I want you to pray for me, not for my blindness. I want you to pray for me because in his blindness he had certain needs, but people weren't concerned about his needs. All they saw was the blindness. So he just wanted someone to pray for him for, for his needs, uh, you know, to be met. He knew, he said, I know God can heal, heal me of my blindness at any time. But that's, he, he, what, what he was really saying, you see, is I do not live just to see my blindness healed. That would mean I, I was living with totally the wrong perspective. He was living for the glory of God. Amen? He seemed to be a very lovely believer. Okay. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You ask me, ask me for anything in my name, and I might do it. No, I could do it. No, I will do it. So whatever we ask the Father, the fa in the name of Jesus, the Father would do. Whatever we ask Jesus, uh, in his name, he would do. Let's go on to chapter 15. Um, no, I think we'll go on to chapter 16. No, all right. No, chapter 15, verse 16. Chapter, verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So, you know, we're in the secret place. We're understanding the will of God. We know that as the Father sent Jesus, so he sends us. So then we go out into the world. We come down, if you like, from the Mount of Transfiguration, and we go out into the world with the power of God, with the authority of God, with the faith that he's given us in order to bear fruit. So he's appointed us to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Very, very, very important. What's Jesus saying? If you live to bear fruit, you live for others. Right? You live for others, not yourself. When God sends us into the world, he doesn't send us into the world for our benefit. He sends us into the world for the benefit of others. So he's saying, you go and bear fruit. You have your focus on the benefit of others. And whatever you ask, I'll give to you. This is the principle of the kingdom. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I believe Jesus is saying, I would do whatever you ask in my name, 
when you go to serve those other people so that you can be fruitful. But at the same time, I will give you whatever you ask for your need. Amen? Because the measure you give is the measure you get back. You will reap what you sow. And I'll, I'll just come back to that when we finish in a moment or two. Then if you go on to chapter 16, um, Jesus is talking about praying in his name. He's saying, you know, you haven't had to do that while I've been with you, but now I'm going to depart from you. Uh, then uh, you will need to pray in my name. So in verse 23, in that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. God understands that we like to have prayers answered. And it's frustrating, isn't it, if you pray and pray and pray and you don't see any answers. You wonder, well, what's going on here? And obviously it's not God that is wrong. Sometimes we may be wrong in what we're praying for, but or even in the way we're praying, or in what we believe or don't believe, or anticipate or don't anticipate in answer to our prayer. But God wants, uh, or Jesus is saying, that the Father is to be glorified in the answers to prayer that we receive, and our joy will be full. Amen? Now, we could go back, uh, there's, there's not time, we could go back into uh, Matthew and, and the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus said, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. And I've explained to you before, the, the tense in the, in the Greek can literally be translated, go on asking and you will receive, go on seeking and you will find, go on knocking and it will be opened to you. So Jesus also teaches about perseverance in prayer. And you remember he, he gave the parable of the unjust judge and that's preceded in, in Luke by the statement that he taught this parable to, to teach people that they should pray and not give up. So just because we have all these wonderful prayer promises of what God will do in response to our prayer doesn't mean that everything is going to necessarily happen immediately, that there will be situations where we need to persevere in prayer. Now, that can be for a whole variety of reasons. There's not time to, to go into all of them now. Sometimes it's that we need to persevere to come through to a place of faith because when we begin to pray, we're not actually in the place of faith. So sometimes we need to persevere. Sometimes that we start to pray about a situation and we're praying for God to do a particular thing but actually God wants to do a whole lot of other things besides the particular thing that we're praying. And it's only as we persevere in prayer that we see that God will do a more thorough work, a greater work than that which we believed for at the beginning of our prayer. But you can be sure of this. If we need to persevere in prayer, it's because God knows we need to persevere in prayer. He is not just causing us to persevere in prayer for the sake of it. But sometimes the perseverance in prayer is a testing of our faith. To see, because you know, there, there are several situations you've probably been in some yourself where you have prayed about something, thought you were in faith, it didn't happen, you gave up. 
And you see, if people give up, it shows that they weren't really in a place of faith. That if you are in a place of faith, you will not take no for an answer. You see, um, uh, some, somebody once taught me, uh, if you know cricket, when you're batting, uh, you, and, and, and the guy down the other end, you've got to give instructions as to when, when to take a run or not. And so you say, yes, meaning we'll take a run, or no, we won't take a run, or wait, let's see if he misfields it. So you get these answers, yes, no, or wait. And I, I've heard people say, well, it's like that in prayer. God says, yes, no, and wait. But I can't find anywhere in the scripture where when we pray, Jesus is saying the answer will be no. The answer is sometimes wait because you persevere. But you see, his, all these promises are that God says yes. Amen? He says yes, yes. I will do whatever you ask in my name. I won't say no if you ask in my name. This is supposed to make you happy. <laughs> Faith, truth, you know, the truth sets us free. Praise God, hallelujah, glory, amen. So uh, we need sometimes to persevere in prayer. And if God is wanting you to persevere in prayer in a particular situation, then it's for your good or it's for the good of the people that you're praying for. Sometimes, of course, there's great opposition from the enemy in the situation that you're praying for. And at first, your prayer doesn't seem to be effective because you're not actually using the authority that God has given you over the enemy. And that's why we have to come back to that scripture, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Sometimes you need to exercise that authority. You see, when Jesus was healing people, for example, he did not always uh, cast out demons. He did not always take authority over the enemy. As we've seen, he just said, get up and walk. There's, there's no, but there were situations where there was demonic activity. And Jesus, therefore, had to take authority over those demonic powers. And it's the same with us. If there is demonic activity that is opposing the will and purpose of God, then we will need to exercise authority in that situation. And you, you can tell that really by the witness of the Spirit. The Spirit tells you this is, this is what the case is, and so this is how you need to pray. Or... You know, you're praying and the prayer is not being effective. So then it causes you to ask the question, well, is there demonic activity here that, need, that is opposing what God is wanting? And God, God is saying to us that the enemy needs to be defeated. We need to take the victory of Jesus and apply it to that situation. Okay, now you've been holding me up. So let's go back to, let's go on to 1 John just to finish. The first letter of John. Because, of course, he was always present when Jesus taught all these wonderful prayer promises. Hallelujah. Now, the scripture warns us that we can pray in the wrong way to spend it on our own passions, to, you know, to pray for something we want in the flesh. That's not going to be very effective. So if we pray in the name of Jesus... We're always praying in the will of Jesus. So I want you to go to chapter 5. Let me see, first of all, in verse 4. 
for everyone born of God overcomes the world and therefore overcomes the spirit of the world and therefore overcomes the spirit, the spirit of the enemy that is at work around us. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So as we pray with faith, we're going to overcome. Amen? Who is it who overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, now let's go on to verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, anything, say anything, anything, according to his will, he hears us. Why? Because if you pray according to his will, right, it's the Spirit of God who has initiated the prayer. You see, Jesus says he couldn't do anything independent of his Father, right? He has this relationship with the Father, so he knows what the will of the Father is. You remember after that that, um, evening in Capernaum when everybody got healed? That must have been a great evening. Very early the next morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and went to a lonely place, and there he prayed. The disciples came looking for him because all the people were were saying, where's this Jesus, where's this Jesus? I mean, he had the town at his feet after such a wonderful meeting the night before. When they found him, you see, they said, come on, everybody's looking for you, they're waiting for you, Jesus. Jesus says, no, no, no. We're going to go to the little villages because the Father has sent me to the villages as well as to the towns. See, he knew the will of God because he'd been in the secret place. And it's in the secret place that we are able to discern and understand the will of God. Listen, it is impossible to pray with faith without knowing the will of God. Faith is not a question mark as to what will happen. If you pray with faith, you know what God wills. You know what he wants. If you don't know what he wants, that's when you need to persevere in prayer until you do know what he wants so that he can inform your prayer. Then you can pray with faith. You can pray his will into being. Amen? So this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Why? Because he has initiated the prayer. Now, I've just focused really on on what Jesus has been teaching in prayer. We could... There's so much more, of course, that Paul teaches and so on that we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit actually enables us to pray according to the will of God. So in all of this, we are totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit to lead our prayer, to inform our prayer, because you know part of the dynamic of the Holy Spirit is he is the spirit of prayer. And that, and he, but he is also the spirit of faith. You see, so if we're trusting in the Spirit in in our prayer time, then he will enable us to pray with faith. And 
because he's the spirit of prayer, to persevere if that's needed until we see the faith answer in the situations about which we're praying. So now, none of this is new. It's all there in the scripture. You've read these things many times before. But we put it all together and we see what a wonderful, wonderful gift prayer is. And here is the failing of the vast majority of believers. They regard prayer as a duty. I suppose I've got to have my prayer time today. There's all kinds of other things I'd prefer to be doing. And oh, you know, I'm busy with this, that and the other. But I suppose I'd better have my prayer time. Now, none of you would ever have thought like that, but you must understand that <clears throat> you must understand that there may be others that you are going to help over the years in the future who do think like that. But when we understand what God intends to do in our lives through prayer, you realize what a wonderful, wonderful gift it is. And that actually, it's just about the most joyful thing you can do all day long. Praise the Lord and, and pray, put it all together. It's glorious. Because, you see, the most important thing in your life is your relationship with the Lord. And how is does that relationship grow and how is it strengthened through prayer so God doesn't regard prayer as a duty we're not going through Old Testament rituals of sacrifice and prayer no no we realize God now this this is this is the secret okay are you ready you sure you're ready okay you see, the secret, the secret of prayer, of really understanding prayer, is this. God, in his love, wants you to know him. In his love, he wants to reveal more of himself to you. And he will use every opportunity you give him in prayer to further his desire to reveal himself so that you know him better, your faith in him, your trust in him is stronger, and you are able to fulfill the will of God in your life. Hallelujah. I'm just going to finish with, with one other thing because God's laying it on my heart to say it. So, Very, very important in the years ahead, not all of you are married yet, some of you young people will get married one day. Um, <laughs> there was a cry of faith. Uh, 
very important that, especially when there are young children, that the husband gives space for the wife to pray, to have her secret time with the Lord. When our children were young, we were in revival. It was, I was very, very, very busy. You don't understand what busy is really until revival happens. But it was always a cardinal principle that I would care for the children so that Caroline could have her secret time with the Lord. To me, that was not only something that honored God, but it showed my love for my wife. That if I couldn't, if I couldn't provide the time for her, and remember, especially when children are very young, housewives get very tired, very tiring bringing young children up, um, especially when they're infants or you might be feeding them and so on and so on and so on. There's all, all these um, practical, physical things. But you need, you, you guys, provide space for your wife to pray when she's not exhausted and is just going to fall asleep. You feel the children, you do whatever you need to do so your wife can pray. It may only be, if, you know, for a period of 20 minutes or so, but at least give her that space. Very important that we're not just looking after ourselves and making sure that we have our time with the Lord. But when you're married or when you, or when you have others living with you, whatever the situation may be, just make sure that everybody else has their time to be with the Lord, their space. Amen? Come on, let's stand and come into the middle here. Oh, hallelujah. I'm happy. Is anybody else happy here? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Praise God. Hallelujah. Can we praise the Lord? Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Porotaparia leto papapara sandaria leto papapara sadapalito. Papapara sandaria leto papapara sadapakalazutri santum. Papapara sandaria leto papaparia sitari sandaria lena masantum. O papapara sandaria leto papapakalazutri santum. O papaparia leto papapakalazutri santum. O papa para sandaria leto papa kalasita di sandaria leto papa kalasita di sandaria. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Okay, so why don't you thank the Lord for this great gift of prayer? Perhaps you've never done that before. Perhaps you've never looked at prayer in that way. But thank Him for this gift. It's one of the most wonderful gifts that God gives you.
Hallelujah. Can you thank him? Thank you, Lord. Can you thank him for... Thank him for the secret place where he's always waiting for you. It's not you going to the secret place and ask him to turn up. He's already there. He's waiting for you. Hallelujah. If sometimes you've, you've been missing, you might want to say, Oh Lord, forgive me for all the times when you were waiting for me and I didn't turn up. Or you might need to say, Lord, I'm sorry that I was late or sorry that I just rushed because I was so preoccupied with other things. Instead of giving you the space and the time that would glorify you. Hallelujah. Now thank the Lord for the relationship that is developing between the Father and you, between Jesus and you in prayer. Hallelujah. And that during these days of prayer and fasting, God is enriching your fellowship. That's what he wants to do. Enrich your fellowship, your unity with him. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Pura laparia leto papapapara sandaria lenoma. Suntaria leto papapapara sandaria leto papapacalasitama. Papaparia leto papapapara sandaria leto papapacalasitama. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, just think for a moment about the unity with others Now that affects your prayer life. What Jesus is saying about being in that unity with two or three others. Perhaps you've never realized quite so fully how Prayer is affected not only by your relationship with God, but by your relationship with others. So why don't you pray that you will always be in right relationship with others so that nothing will undermine or hinder your prayer. Peter actually in, in his letter says, says something about that. He, he speaks about that, allowing nothing to hinder your prayer. Nothing in relationships to hinder your prayer. Praise God. Hallelujah. I can't remember the verse exactly, but that's the essence of it. So we thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. That we are to pray at all times in the Spirit. That your Holy Spirit will teach us how to pray because we don't know how to pray as we ought. Hallelujah. Thank you that he will inspire our prayer. He will fill our prayer.
He will fill our prayer time. Thank you that, that, Lord, you will come and presence yourself when we pray together in unity and you will be praying along with us. You will be believing with us. And the Father will certainly do it. Hallelujah. We thank you for all these wonderful promises that whatever we ask in your name, you will do it. That the Son may bring glory to the Father and that our joy will be full. And we praise your holy name. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Papapara sandaria leto, papapara sandaria leto, papapara sinoma. Hallelujah. 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 Now, I want you to, to also thank God that he is always available to you, 24-7. Always available. I do a lot of my praying at night, as you know, but he's always there, he's always available. Wherever you are, whatever time, day or night, he's always available. He's always ready to meet with you. He's always ready to listen to you. He's always ready to speak to you. It doesn't matter where you are, what the time is, what the circumstances, what the situation, he's always available. Can you thank him for that? I mean, that's love, isn't it? Always available. Hallelujah. Never hides himself, never retreats, never refuses to meet with you. He's always available. Praise God. Now, can you say the same about yourself? Lord, I want to be always available to you. Hallelujah. Always available, Lord. I want to be always available. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you're always available, then you'll get used to the fact that sometimes, even when you're in the middle of doing something else, God will call you apart to drop everything and just to spend time with him. Now, it's very important when he does that, that you respond. That you don't just say, well, Lord, I'll finish what I'm doing. Then, no. Respond immediately. Sometimes he does that, I think, as a kind of a test. You know, do we really, do we really believe that our time with him is, is greater and better than the use of our time in any other way? Sometimes it's because there's something that he urgently needs to speak into our lives. But whatever, let's thank him that he's always available to us and we will always be available to him. Not just available for prayer, but of course then available to see the outworking of the prayer and loving obedience to him. But we thank you, Lord, for this relationship of love where we're always available to one another. Hallelujah. Always there for one another. Thank you that you're always there for me. And I want to be always there for you, Lord, so that you can use me in whatever way you desire. And I praise you and I bless you and I thank you. I praise your holy name. I bless your holy name.
Coralaba Sandaria, Leto, Papa Papara Sandara Mazinama. O Papa Para Sandaria, Leto, Papa Papacala Citri Santama. O Papa Para Sandaria, Leto, Papa Papacala Citri Santama. Bastacalaria, Leto, Papa Papara Sandaria, Leto, Papa Papacala Citri Santama. Papa Papara Sandaria, Leto, Papa Papacala Citri Santama. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Praise your holy name. Bless your holy name. Pura laba sandaria leto papapapara satapakala sutari sandama. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala sutari sandama. O papaparia leto papapakala sutari sandama. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. I praise you, I bless you. Wonderful, wonderful Lord. Hallelujah. Sarabataria leto papakala sinama. Now thank him for all the answers that you've already received to prayer. He has been so faithful to you, hasn't he? He's answered your prayers in so many ways. Come on, let's praise him for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. Hallelujah. And we thank you, Lord, that our faith is increasing all the time. I never had time to get back. I wanted to get back at the end to talking about sowing and reaping, how you sow the word in prayer and you water it with thanksgiving until you see that seed come to fruitfulness. I've taught you about that before, so just remind you of that. So thank the Lord that you can sow. You know, he says you only need faith the size of a mustard seed, but that mustard seed has to be sown. You sow the word, you sow the prayer. And from that moment that it's sown, you don't keep digging it up to look at it. You know, if a farmer puts seed in his ground, in his field, he's not going to keep digging it up to see what's happening, whether it's germinating, whether it's sprouting or not. He knows that the whole growth process will take place if he only trusts that it will. So thank you, Lord, that when we sow the word in prayer, we can water it with thanksgiving, and we will see that seed come to fruitfulness. And we bless you for that, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that when we sow uh, into the lives of other people, we will reap a harvest in return. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So we bless your holy name. We praise your holy name. Come on, we need to have... Just a great shout of praise to the Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.